Hi, welcome to the Mag Kerwin episode of the Useful Marketing Stories podcast with me, Paula Ronan. Yes, I'm happy to say that I got the chance to spend some quality time with the legendary Mag Kerwin. Owner of Goatsbridge Trout Farm, Mag is a powerhouse and an inspiration. I'm glad to say that I've known Mag for many years. I've always enjoyed talking to her, and now I'm able to share some of the story of her success with you. And if you do nothing else as a result of this podcast, go out and buy some Goatsbridge Trout Pate or smoked trout. You will be converted to the Church of Trout. Thank you very much, Mag, for joining me today. It's lovely to see you and to talk to you. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well, yeah, I can't complain. That's really well. Listen, uh, it's a, a pleasure to spend time with you. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind, uh, just for a start, for a kickoff, to take people through the story of Goatsbridge Trout, how it was set up, how it came to be. Yeah, well, it was started um, over 55 years ago now at this stage by my husband's uh, parents. Um, they lived on a mill site. Um, and my father-in-law was a very well-read man, not formally educated, but he had read about um, a, a farmer in the States who lived on a similar mill site who had started um, um, a trout farm and also actually a mink farm um, in tandem, um, you know, maybe... 10 or 10 years previous, I suppose, before he decided he would do something. And he had just got married and he had a very small holding, about 35 acres. So he decided he'd like to do something a bit different, a bit alternative. So he went over to Ross Grey, the state-owned fish farm, spent two weeks there, did his training, came back and started Ireland's first privately-owned trout farm. He also ran a, 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 the mink farm for the first 12 months and then had to make a decision as to which enterprise he was going to go forward with. Now, his wise old mother-in-law, around the boardroom, which was the kitchen table, obviously, made a comment that a woman would only eat one mink, would only need one mink coat in her lifetime, but she would eat fish every Friday, as was tradition in good old Catholic Ireland. And hence the the, 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 the mink farm went by the wayside and the trout farmers established. You know, they started with six ponds um, and roll on, you know, I suppose 20 years later, 25, whatever. And my I met my husband in... Um, UCD, he was studying engineering, I was studying biochemistry. And he went back to the family business, worked with in weekends and worked summers with his family, his parents, and went back to the business after finishing college. And um, I worked as a biochemist and eventually came back to Ireland and um, was engaged and married to Ger within six months and became a fishwife. So that's the story of, of I suppose, in a very nutshell, the business. And I suppose over the last 20 years, 20, 30 years, I suppose, I've been married 31 years, you know, I got stuck in from the ground up learning my trade, you know, in terms of, I went from having a really, really good, well-paid, you know, quite a very, very good job as a biochemist to, to, to feeding fish, to working in the hatchery, to working in the, in the factory, which was like a lean, a lean to really at that stage. And, um, you know, and I remember, you know, the thinking, I suppose the start of my journey in trout happened one day, I'll never forget it. Um, I'd come over on a date with my husband and it was dinner in his mother's house. She cooked trout for us that day. I went down that evening to watch my my boyfriend at the time feed the fish. And I remember being at one of the ponds, the very top pond on the farm here in, in the home place. And the sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. We'd had the most amazing dinner. And Ger was feeding the fish. And I just turned to Ger and said, why is nobody telling the story? And he looked at me. What do you mean? I said, well, this the fish is it's an amazing product. The story is amazing. I just, I just, I, I was almost like, I can still remember how I felt that defining moment and that utter belief and, and the vision that came to me that day, thinking, this is amazing. 
you know, you know, and I and and that's been my journey ever since in the last thirty one years, you know, to um, to try and tell the story of goats with trout and to spread the word and try to educate the consumer and and try build a brand and build a business. That's really where we are, you know. Yeah. So I um I often thought the eat trout um campaign slogan or sub brand or call to action was a brilliant idea and worked so well. And uh, now I can uh, see that it came from your uh, your road to Damascus moment or your uh, Eureka moment there. But um, would you uh, tell me how that came about exactly? Like it was it something that you, because I know that you were uh, an evangelist for people eating trout there before the eat eat trout appeared on packages. Um, so how, how did that come about, Mag? Well, I suppose, look, I, I'm a scientist. My husband's an engineer. I, I had it. My background is, is is business for sure. My mother is a fantastic businesswoman, 87. Actually got a Lifetime Achievement Award for her role in business in the horse industry. She was the first woman in the Irish horse sport. So I think, you know, how it came about in a sense that I suppose I was, as I said, I had to learn from the ground up. I had to learn everything formally in terms of the business. And, you know, I didn't understand what a brand was even. You know, I remember going over to Red Mills, a good friend, Michael Conley, and he had a marketing department being so impressed. And I remember he talked about, you know, telling your story and, you know, charging for your product and people, you know, telling people had to understand. And I suppose not really understanding what a brand was. We we worked with BIM, who had the, role, the responsibility for marketing at the time. It's now been moved over to Borbia, which was a great move because Borbia are the real experts, I think, in terms of marketing. And BIM are experts in terms of technical design. But I remember meeting one of the guys from uh, BIM, um, two people, Richard Donnelly and Roisin, and they sat with me in my old office and they talked to me about what a brand was and maybe develop a brand. So our first, uh, I suppose, brand was very, you know, at the time we thought it was amazing. You know, it was kind of a, a um, uh, I remember thinking about the story and 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 just trying to come up with the, the backstory, as I said, and, and, and the actual, you know, the logo and started to talk about, you know, we produce brochures, we produce one product, a, a smoked barbecue smoked trout, which we outsource. We had no facilities here. And, and that was the start of it. And then I suppose, you know, in terms of the actual brand, you know, I think people talk about research and, 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 and doing lots of sophisticated stuff. For us and for me, it was all about going and listening to my customer and listen to what, what they wanted. And I felt a lot of the farmers involved in our business, which were, I suppose, very farmers in the sense that they gave the customer what they wanted to give them. And I said to her one day, we need to give the customer what, we, what they want, what they need. So, you know, we went, did tastings, we went and did shows, local shows and, you know, supermarkets and listened to the consumer. And we discovered it was very, very simple. People had a, had a perception of trout, which wasn't necessarily correct. They talked about, well, first of all, they, were, they felt that trout was a very bony fish or the little pin bones. So that was one thing we felt we had to try and address. And the other thing was they felt that trout was a very strong fish. It's a very mild, delicate fish, actually, contrary to what people think. So we said, look, we have to get people, get the product into their baskets, into their homes so that they can taste the product. And once they taste it, we knew they'd be back for more, you know. And, and um, you know, the other thing is, you know, I suppose we felt the whole notion of trying to get people to buy the product, make it affordable, to sell it to them psychologically. And we were the first company to offer a unitized product on the fresh fish counter, for example. We also um, we also tried to brand our fish on the fresh fish counter because there was a lot of product coming from all over, not just Ireland, but, you know, and 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 we, we tagged our fish. Um, at the time, a lot of fish were sold as round gutted form. 
and that was okay. We could t- we could tag the the gill, and and there that's that's really the start of our brand development and our marketing, and and then you know we felt it needed a lot to be desired once we you know I suppose began to understand the importance, how it looked on shelves, stand out, that kind of stuff. So then we went to Borbia, who were working um, on behalf of, of the seafood companies on the whole marketing, because that whole responsibility was passed over. And that was a fantastic um, opportunity for us as a company to engage with an organization like Borbia. I think they're amazing. And um, we worked with them and we said we wanted to rebrand and we wanted to do something really amazing, really, really good. And we interviewed three or four companies and um, with the help of the of the um, um, I suppose the experts in Borby who had lots of experience right across the board, not just fish. And I happened to come across a company called Slater Design. And this big tall man came in, you know, a beautiful tweed coat. I remember thinking, oh, this guy looks a bit different. I had looked at his portfolio and everything that he had done was different. Every project that he presented in his portfolio was different. And that's what I liked. I felt you know, I felt that, not. you know, you, sometimes you look at these brand agencies and you always know their style. Whereas with this company, every every single project was completely different. Lots of experience, not necessarily a lot of experience in the food business, right across the board. And that's what I wanted. I want something unique, something different. But more importantly, I wanted someone who got us as a company, who believed in our product and who understood us. And I think within five minutes of meeting this man, his name is Ian Slater, it wasn't necessarily a massive company. It wasn't a very small company. He wasn't necessarily the cheapest or the most expensive. I was looking for value for money. And he laughed at me. He, he got me and he laughed. And I just thought, I really like that guy because he gets me as a person. I think that was, you can't underestimate that. And 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 he completely bought in to the whole notion. And I remember saying to him, listen, all I want to do is get people to, take, to eat trout. Nobody gives us any respect. Uh, you know, we're competing against salmon. You know, we're competing against sea bass that people were starting to, to buy because people were traveling all of a sudden and suddenly they were coming back to Ireland saying I want that sea bass I had out in Greece last week or I want you know what I mean so we started to compete against not just other trout farmers there was plenty of room for us all here in Ireland it was against the other fish species really and he and I said I want people to eat the bloody thing just eat trout what's wrong with them and within the space of you know a couple of weeks of working with those guys we the tagline eat trout as you said yourself earlier it's a call to action and 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 people smile when they, they see it because I suppose it has a bit of personality and it's our personality. And <laughs> Your personality, Mike, more than anything else. <laughs> but poor Roger, I mean, I one of the, um, very kindly, uh, to be honest with you, we just have such um, great support right across the board from most of the retailers. But we had a visit from the head of Dunn Stores head of proteins and head, and head fish buyer a couple of weeks ago and they got into their car they were down in Limerick and I was talking to them about an issue I have and they got into the car they came down here and they spent three hours here and it was just amazing they turned to me and Jer had given the tour and they said God we never realised our car had existed and he's a fantastic great communicator very articulate very passionate very educated very bright guy and he's almost looks after the operation so he doesn't get out that much and people don't realise he exists and Eamon McAvoy turned to me and said I always thought that he was just a token husband on the fish package I never realised he was such an important important very important part of this business and you know so it's not just my personality but maybe I'm the one who, who leads it and drives it on you know well, I, I always remember you going in to visit, um, you know, chefs in restaurants and hotels and that. And uh, as I said before, being evangelical about how good trout was and what a great alternative is and why weren't people using it and all that. And I suppose it's trying to get that 
that um, gusto and that gumption onto the pack in your absence. Do you know what I mean? I think that you kind of led that. So, but uh, well done, well done on that. And I've met, it's Ian Slater, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I met him before. He's such a lovely guy and brilliant company. And we work with a girl called Sinead. Um, and who works, they have a fantastic, just, you know, he's always, he's a, they're a custodian of our brand. They take yeah. everything personally. And um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And it's, it's, it's the story of our lives as a business. You know, even the fact that done stores, buyers taught it important enough to come down here. You know, they're busy people. It was a Friday evening. Like we just have so much support. And, you know, I think people to understand what a brand is really, it's very simple. It's a, it's a reputation. That's it. It's, it's, you know, it's a reputation. It's, it's what people think of you when you're not there in the room. And it's, it's, and, and I think our, our visuals are very important. Stand out on shelf and it has a great impact. And, 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 and I think, and that's what you hope to do. And I think the important thing is, and people don't understand the importance of brand equity and how you build on that. And I think if you always try to do the right thing, and I say that to my kids all the time, and, and, you know, you may not always do the right thing, but you try in your heart and soul, you try to do the right thing. And it does come back. And I think it does help. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, just always do the right thing. And that's really, is when you have a brand, it's so, so, so important. And and we see that happening all the time. Not all the time, but most of the time, you know. Yeah, and sometimes it's a, a more expensive option to do the right thing or it's it's more complicated, it's not convenient or whatever. But I'd agree with you, it's um, it's always worthwhile doing in the long run. And that's what branding and brand marketing is all what about. I, question at the moment for one of my colleagues up the north of Ireland who was doing a lot of business in the UK, who, that business that he was working with over there has, has stopped, they've gone out of business. So he's back in the Irish market and he's come back and he's taking some of my business in the south of Ireland, which is, you know, and the problem is he's able to selling cheaper because he doesn't have a lot of stuff we have. And sometimes you say to yourself, well, why am I doing, why have I Global Gap and why have I BRCW and why am I processing and why am I marketing my product and why am I, you know, and you kind of, sometimes you question yourself, especially at times like this, very, diff- very, very difficult times. Our profitability has been completely wiped out. Yeah. Our company was rocking and, you know, it's a matter of holding firm and saying, well, you know, Am I a fool? You know, do I have to look at my business and do I have to, I mean, and you do question everything. You have to, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, we're not the cheapest. Um, so, yeah, so some, I suppose at times like this, I do question whether or not we, we need to do all the things we do. Um, our overhead is definitely higher than, say, some of my colleagues, perhaps, you know. But then again, they're price takers, you know. And at the end of the day, as I said, you know, you have more ownership by having a brand, you know. And kind of, as you say, holding fast until yeah. this passes is hugely important because when you start competing on price, I think you're lost. You yep. know, it, yep. it's, it's not a competitive edge at all. I did have a, a customer who did send me an email earlier this year and where he had been offered fillets, fillets coming from Turkey. Um, and they were two or three euros cheaper per kilo than my fish. And I kind of just rang him and said, hang on here now. Are you seriously comparing me to what you're being offered in Turkey? I said, I offer you seven day delivery. You give me your order today. I go and harvest the fish. I pin bone the fish. I pack them for you. I unitize them. I said, you know, I said, I don't use antibiotics in my food. I, you know, I have BRCWA, BRC. I have Jobel Gap. I said, you know, there's no food miles up the road, an hour up the road. I said, are you seriously? You know, I said, cop on to yourself. Give me a little bit of respect here, you know, feck off. <laughs> really now, you send that message out the whole time so that people, uh, especially end consumers, 
are aware of that and have that demand, like demand that quality of. Yeah, you know what? I can't. I can't blame some of my customers. I can't blame my customers for. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I can't blame some of my customers for um, for maybe buying cheaper fish. I can't, you know, um, especially if the quality is good. I can't. Um, and, and I mean, I even find myself when I go to the supermarket, I would also have bought the, you know, the free range chicken, for example, in Lidl, if I'm buying fillets, chicken fillets. And I remember um, a few weeks ago buying some fillets thinking, oh, my God, did I really pay seven, eight euros for two, two small fillets? And the next time I went in, I'll be honest with you, I didn't buy the free range. You know, so I, I can't I can't blame a consumer. I have to try to be as cost effective as possible. I have to be as lean as I can. I have to try to give value for money. And yeah. I won't hold the business. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to be realistic about it as well. And people are under severe difficulty. You know, I don't have to worry about paying my bills at the end of the day or putting the heating on. I have to make a decision on whether I, you know, I, I can buy food or, or or put the heating on. A lot of people I know, a lot of people do. Yeah. It's seriously, you know, so we have to understand that, you know. Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm the wrong person to be talking to about this, Mag, because I'm an awful um, uh, what would you call it, an old nag or whatever about, especially chicken. I can't bear the thoughts of intensive, intensively farmed chicken. But and I, what I do is I get um, uh, chicken from Regan Organic uh, or um, another supplier um, near here as well, Paddy Byrne, and he's free range chickens. And Jesus, you get a big a big chicken, and I make sure that I get at least four dinners out of it. So you're paying you're paying maybe now nowadays it's something like eighteen or nineteen euro for a Regan Organic chicken. But I I make sure that I uh, cut it up and you can make the stock, yeah, make the stock and all that stuff. Uh, or somebody else in the house does, you know, so that you're you're kind of splitting that out, and you're not. Uh, there's no way you're kind of wasting any little bit of it, and you're you're kind of getting the most out of out Absolutely. of it. But and, and probably similarly with with fish and seafood, it maybe there's part of it to show like how do you how do you get the most nutritional value of whatever you're paying money for to feed your family? You know, yeah. it's uh, it, it's important. And I suppose like for, on the marketing. On the marketing front, there's plenty of statistics that are being bandied about now, especially in the UK, not so much in Ireland, about the danger of uh, brands and businesses um, reducing spend in their marketing now and what it could mean for their business at the end of this cycle. And yes. the cycle will end. And how do you make sure that you're there and that you're maybe trying to reach more people to get, uh, you know, still get the same customer base from a bigger number of people that you're reaching with your message or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I know it's going to be awful tough times uh, for people um, uh, in the coming year and a half, two years, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. We're ready. Anyway, so uh, oh, another question that I had to you uh, because this is obviously a marketing a marketing podcast. Uh, I wanted to ask you about what things, what activities or strategies have worked really well for you in the past, and maybe to get a, a notion of um, what hasn't worked or what you wish you hadn't done, or mm. what, you know what I mean, uh, so that we can kind of le- learn from it, I suppose. I often get people, you know, asking me, well, you want to put an ad in the paper or you want to do a radio ad and you want to do this, that and the other. And we, I always say, no, I'm sorry now, but we like to be a little bit more creative. And that's what we do. You know, um, we like to support events, for example. Um, 
you know, especially if a lot of a lot of chefs do a lot of really good charity work, we always support those events, give products or give vouchers or give hampers or whatever. And one thing that we did, which was I thought was amazing and it was a fantastic experience on a personal level. We um um I have a sister, I've uh, I come from a large family. One of my sisters is a journalist and she was working over in Uganda and um, for the Irish hospice over there, a lady called Dr. Anne Merriman. And uh, I remember opening up a, a, a cookery book one day of Moran Seafoods had, had written a, a fantastic or a company and really good people, but they'd written a book and they had put one trout recipe in the back, which I was delighted because nobody ever talks about trout, and I was really a bit pissed off and fell up, you know. And I saw a recipe said uh, it said smoked trout and potato cake. And I said, great. I opened up the index and then I opened up the page and declared to God it was a smoked salmon and potato cake. They made a mistake in the index. And I just said, well, I'm really fed up with nobody ever writing about it. I'm going to write a book. So we did. So I literally reached out to every woman in the country that I knew, chefs, politicians, you know, people of influence, women, and asked them for their favorite fish recipe. And of course, because I was asking, a lot of them gave me trout. And anybody who didn't give me trout is no longer my friend. But anyway, we put together a, a fantastic book, which was designed by Slater, photographed by by, by Joanna um, Murphy, fantastic um, uh, food food uh, photographer. And we put together a book called, and we called the book Fishwives. And it actually went on to win the best um, charity book and the best seafood book in the world, in the Gourmet World Book Awards. We had to go to China where we accepted the award. And that was something that was broadcast. Like once we won that award, we were live on television or radio here in Ireland, you know, from, from Yangtze City in China. So they're the kind of things we've done. You know, I've done some things like, and, and that was that was amazing because it got people to think about trout and it's a beautiful book, very serviceable. We also managed to, to raise 70,000 for the charity in Uganda. We paid for every penny of the of the book and it's almost like a business card now. So they're the kind of things we do. You know, another time I remember I had a, an industry day here in Goldsbridge and like an open day where we invited someone from Borbia and someone from BIM and people from the department and we chefs, people like the McKenna's, food writers, and we had them here. We fed them a fantastic product. Tom O'Connell um, 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 came and cooked and showed people how to smoke and it was an amazing day. They got to see our farm, our facility, and they all got to taste trout and we got to talk about the industry and where we were going. So they're the kind of things we did. It happened, you know, so, so we do things a bit different. You know, where we, we don't do the conventional things and, and we like to get a return. And if you talk about, they're the kind of things that I feel have worked because then you get to connect with people and people get to understand what you're about and how you think and where your focus is and what you do, more importantly. And then there are things I think that we have done that definitely haven't worked. And that is things like tastings. Now, I'm saying I'm talking about tastings in supermarkets. They're too expensive. You're meeting too small a number of people. And on the day, you know, it's it's too it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen fast enough. You know, it's very, very costly to do tastings in the supermarket. And 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 I would recommend that nobody does that. They shouldn't you shouldn't do it. It costs too much. Now, sometimes you have to do it. You know, I mean, I found in the past, definitely in Ireland, you do those kind of things, but you get to know the, the staff at the time, but then there's a then you know they might order your product for a few months and then they're gone to the next job or you know they move on and nobody suddenly is, is ordering. Ireland is a is a is is a difficult one in terms of retailers. I think, you know, there's there's almost like the the um, you know there's 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 almost like the pull effect where they order based on what they think they need. Whereas in the UK where we do a lot of business, there's a push effect. If something is sold off a shelf. For example, in Sainsbury's, this is our experience. It's reordered, you know. So, so I think tastings is something I do. I, 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 I hate to see little companies going doing tastings. Now, it's very good. It's a very good thing to do at certain times, 
where you're getting feedback, you're meeting your customer. But long term, I think it's too costly. You know, things like promotions are very good. Price promotions, I think, because it gets the shop that, you know, and we have found and, and we've done a lot of statistical analysis, especially in the UK, where we've access to a lot of, of data from the likes of Sainsbury's, where we found we were trying to um, launch our patty into the UK and sales were low as we started. But once we start doing a few tastings, people would taste the product, talk about it, come back and repurchase. And we have found that our growth of that product and the sales of that product have grown exponentially over time. Because people, once they eat the product and realize how amazing it is, they come back for more and they talk about it, you know. But I think it's important with promotions that you don't do, you have to be very strategic. When you promote something, you need to do it at certain times in a certain way. But to be, see, the problem is if you promote too much, people will only buy when it's on promotion. Therefore, you end up selling the majority of your product on the promotion, you know. So I think it's very important to look at the Percentage of promotions in, in relation to the, I suppose, look at the percentage of uh, um, uh, and the cost of promotions in, in relation to percentage of your profitability. It's very important to keep it at a certain level, you know. But I think you, people can't expect to put product on shelf, especially in retailers and supermarkets, and then expect it to, to, to sell itself. As you say yourself, marketing is really, really important. And, and we have learned our trade very much in the UK where we have direct control of that business. In the Irish market, we tend to do our business into the retailers through third parties. Some of the bigger, you know, uh, fish distributors like the Ocean Pats or the, the, you know, the Morgans or the Cans and really, really good people. But the market in Ireland is a lot smaller than the potential in the UK. So we have learned a lot in the last four years, five years in the UK. We're back to the Irish market looking at representing ourselves now because we've learned our trade and we feel nobody will sell like you Nobody believes in your own product like you do yourself, you know. Um, you know, so we kind of do things, as I suppose, yeah, we do a lot of things like that. We, you know, influence, I think the important thing, and you would obviously be aware of this, and what's become really important and really significant is the whole notion of social media. Working with influencers, um, you know, that whole area is really important and it's very technical. It needs to be very targeted. Because in the past, I would, would have been doing things like, I suppose, me on Instagram and Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in actual fact, you're reaching the same people all the time. And it's really, there's a lot, there'll be a lot of ego around, um, you know, social media and getting likes and all this sort of stuff. At the end of the day, it's about the commerciality of it. And we engage a company in the UK, for example, called Awkward Marketing. It's really fantastic. And we're, we've engaged them now for a promotion for Christmas where they're doing a lot of work on social media, targeting the right people at the right time on the right platform with the right post, you know. And you only learn that over time. And, and, and uh, we're very specific uh, about what we do now on that, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. Maggie, you've uh, given me such a lot <laughs> there in a short space of time. I want to just go back about the Fishwives book, uh, just to um, say I love the Fishwives book. I was actually in it, given the best recipe, I'd say, in the book. <laughs> and uh, one thing that occurred to me as well is that um, what I do myself, this is just what I do myself, and I don't know what you think about it, is anytime, anytime I see salmon, uh, in any recipe, I substitute trout because, yeah, because I um, uh, I don't trust salmon anymore. I don't trust that, uh, salmon anymore, and I trust your product a lot more. Uh, you know, especially Goatsbridge trout, I bought into the story. I know that it's um, farmed sustainably. Everything is above board, and uh, I can have that with confidence. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
as a matter of fact, I think it works out better in most in most recipes and and smoked trout particularly. Um, yeah. um, so I uh, and I think it's fun funny about the. Um, because of my uh, allusion earlier on to you being an evangelist, I think it's about converting people yeah. <laughs> to, to your to trout like a religion. Uh, and somebody, uh, somebody called my trout salmon the other day, and I said, "You can insult me, insult my, <laughs> not my husband, insult my kids, but don't call my trout salmon." <laughs> <laughs> they went into the black book straight away. <laughs> uh, and and then the open day again, it's like getting that immersive experience in. Mm-hmm. in farm and everything um to get them into that and uh, trying to get that across uh on packaging and as you say in social media is probably you know a really uh, a really great way to uh, to bring people on bring every, there for life every single day i look i mean the greatest uh, compliment anyone can ever give me and it's happened on so many occasions is when they push our product on their wedding menu yeah. i got I got a picture sent to me um, two days ago where somebody got married in Ballyfin, that new seven-star hotel, and and trout was their main course, one of their main courses. And I just, you know, it really is such a thrill for me to yeah. see that, you know, and, 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 you know, so, I mean, as I said, that's another way of marketing where chefs talk about it all the time. Never McGuire has just put a fantastic recipe in his new book and actually he, he he used our product on his launch of his book fantastic guy you know he's always talking about us on the radio you know my mother ring and say Lemon McGuire is talking about you again you know and he's so genuine so sincere so real you know I mean we have Dylan McGrath has in Fade Street and Brazier 66 uses our, our smoke product uh, we do a whiskey cured for him you know and people like that I mean we have right across the board and money can't pay for that kind of support because these guys Hate to do that. They just believe in what we're doing. And, yeah. and you know, having people come visit the farm, you know, we do a lot of work with the Eurotox. We, you know, and LaRousse, we do those chefs. And we like to get those chefs to come down here and see what we're doing. We have a flow-through system. Unfortunately, in the last two years, we've had to stop public tours because of the biosecurity and because of the whole around COVID. And that's one of the things that, and we probably won't go back there again, but we do encourage, the, you know, the commercial people to come, you know, and buyers and chefs, especially new chefs, people in training to see what we do because they'll always bring that product with them no matter where they go. You find if chefs are working and they move around all the time, but they always tend to bring the product with them, which is amazing. You know, and we pop up everywhere. People like this, there's just places like the pigs on the pig's back, fantastic people. I mean, I shouldn't mention any people. I couldn't, shouldn't mention names because there are people all over the country who use our product all the time. They're always naming and shaming us. And you cannot pay, money would not pay for that kind of support. You know, no, and, and you're right. There is a kind of a group of people that uh, are fans of, say, a bigger group of food brands and food producers, uh, and those those people are amazing. Like ne- like you were mentioning Nevin McGuire. Um, I, I don't know Nevin myself, but Laura talks about him all the time. Laura from Wexford Home Preserves, uh, because just like that, he's authentic. And if he mentions your brand or says something good about it, he really means it. He's not being he's not being paid to do that. He's so generous with his with his uh, praise when he does product. He'll always insist on paying for product. You think, oh, my God, you know, he he insists. I suppose he wants to be be able to endorse product genuinely as opposed to being paid for it. You know, yeah, he Uh, has a a lot of integrity. Oh, Uh, completely. um, So. 
Uh, Mag, I know you don't have um, a whole lot more time, but I just wonder where you what the story is going to be. Do you think for the next few years, where do you see Goldsbridge Trout going? Yeah, well, you know, we've just invested 1.7 million on our farm here in Goldsbridge. Uh, it's a huge investment. We're about to do some work on our factory now, even though we ha- we do have WABRC, which we're very proud of. Um, and 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 I suppose you know I think once you start once you stop you stand still you're going backwards. You know we are experiencing serious serious issues at the moment. I mean I'm talking I've never in my 30 years involved in this business have experienced anything like it. Our com- our profitability has been completely wiped away. You know is, I give is it the price of feed is this Mag. Well, Everything. I'll give you an example. Just put figures on it. You know, um, August 2021, we would have paid for our home site here in Goldsbridge, which has our factory and our and our one of our sites. We have six six uh, different sites, and um, we would have paid um, eight thousand, about eight thousand, which included VAT for our electricity bill for four weeks. This time, 20, August 2022, we paid thirty eight thousand. My God. Our fish food every three to every four to five weeks normally would have cost for a grout food uh, about twenty eight thousand a load, about twenty four tons, and now we pay about forty four thousand for the same load every four to five weeks. That's just giving you an. We have all the other things. Staff, we can't get. Nobody wants to work. We've had a complete exodus of staff in the last couple of months for some reason. You nearly start to take it personal, but we don't because you know people. That's what happens. Um, you know, um, diesel. You know, we I think we paid thirteen or fourteen thousand for a load of diesel the other day. We normally would have paid six thousand for that. So it's it's just our profitability has been completely wiped out. So you know, break even is a new profitability I think for a lot of companies like ours. And the thing is to just to do what you can do, stress about the stuff you can control, and and not panic about it. As you say, this is like everything. As sure as night follows day, this this too will pass. I think we may have a new norm in terms of, I don't think fish food is ever going to get back to where it was. I think electricity has to get back to something. Like we're looking at in, um, building a solar farm now and we'll do that in the next six months for sure, um, which will help somewhat. Um, but like, I think the new, like, you know, so it's, this point, it's I suppose this pointing is a good work because we've worked very hard. Like we've worked, myself and Jerry have worked, we really have given this business everything. You know, there's a huge personal, um, um, you know, commitment to a business like this, you know, you see people bank holiday weekends and midterms and they're here and there, you know, we have a, we have a great life, but we work very hard. And it's disappointing when you see all your hard work over the last, you know, especially the last 15 years since we took over the business and, you know, when Jerry's parents retired, it's disappointing to see that it seems to have gone down the swanee. You know, you're working hard to try to save and make money and now we're not making money. Um, if we can hold our own, I'd be very, very happy. And I think, yeah, things will turn around. But there's lots of opportunity too. You know, we're working, we're hoping, hope, you know, we, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of shortage trout at the moment in Europe, a lot of shortage trout now. Um, and, and because there's been a lot of issues with people, especially producing trout at sea and trout in lakes, you know, whereas we have more control inland. And so, look, look, we'll have to just... Go with the flow, not stress, control the stuff we can control. Look, every penny counts. Even though I paid an extra 30,000 for the month of August, I'm still trying to save 85 cents, 85 euros a week by turning off one of my small freezers, for example, or telling the kids, you can't go out there and buying fancy chocolate biscuits. What are you doing? And yet I pay an extra 30,000 in electricity, which is just out of my pocket into the, from the bank. And again, this month again, it was an up, up about another twenty thousand, you know, compared to last year. So I, I just think you have to hold steady and be brave, and and just 
control what you can and hopefully things will turn around. I really believe we have an amazing business. I am no less confident about our business. You know, I see where we're going, just continue to drive on, putting more product into our value added, continue looking at waste management. For example, we use our bones. You talk about bones and, and, and chickens. We use our bones to make fish stock for our fish chowder, which is a completely clean product. And I won't, comp- I won't compromise our products, no matter what, not for money, not for margin. I will not compromise our products because at the end of the day, I know our products are amazing and they will continue to be amazing. That's the most important thing. Um, and I, if it means that I can't produce the product because I can't make a margin, I won't produce it. I will not produce anything that is less than excellent as far as I'm concerned. If I don't like it, I can't sell it. You know, that's the reality. Well, that's a great way to be, Maggie. And, uh, you know, I love the Ghostbridge Trout brand. I love the product. I think you're fantastic. And I, I know that you will be uh, still there when this does pass and going hell for leather and up, up and away with you. So, uh, but well, well done with sport. that. It's like sport, Paula. I'll see you out yeah, there. Well, I was going to come on to that for a bit of a positive end to it, Mag. I uh, just thought I'd have a chat with how you got into sport and where you are now and um, what, what the plans are. Well, I have four kids and our family is a very sporty family, which is amazing. My husband's big into sport and I actually love sport. Never did, never played. I used to horse riding when I was a kid. Um, but my father died very young and my I was sent away. We were all just 10 of us and we were all sent away to boarding school. So I didn't really have that much of an opportunity. And the school I went to wasn't very sporty. So I was dropping my daughter to a race a few years ago, about five or six years ago. And she, I said to run fast. It's 50 euros for the winner. And she was a good runner. And it still is. And she said, I'll run faster than you anyway, ma'am. And I said, what do you mean? Is that a challenge? And that was it. That was the start of my journey in sport. And it's been amazing. I was diagnosed with a, a cancer last February of last year. Had a bone marrow transplant last Christmas, actually. And to be honest with you, if I didn't have the sport, I think I'd probably be in the mental. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. And it's kept me both mentally and physically very, very well. And um, I'm just back from the hospital. I had my chemotherapy this morning. I have chemotherapy every day on the tablet and I have an injection every couple of weeks. So, I mean, I continue to do my sport. And um, as I meet you on the triathlon field, I do triathlons, you know, I, I run, I swim and I cycle. And um, and it's been absolutely wonderful. I have a fantastic trainer in, in Waterford called Martin Kerr and Focus on Fitness is his business. I couldn't recommend that business and that man highly enough. He's been just an amazing support uh, for me personally in terms of my journey, my cancer journey, but also my sport journey. And, you know, I mean, nothing is impossible. And people look at me sometimes thinking, oh my God, how can you do that when you're on treatment and stuff? But I seem to be able to do that. I've been very lucky, very blessed. Um, And, you know, I'm like, I I, I did my, I'm always looking for, it's probably like business. I'm always looking for something, a challenge, something a bit different, go out of your comfort zone. You know, I started to run, then I did triathlons, I did a half Ironman. um, And now I have to be careful. I don't want to overstretch myself. But then I decided this year, um, I'd like to do something. And I started to do a bit more cycling. So I did a thing called the Ray the Pyrenees where I cycled across from Beirut to Barcelona in 100 hours with nine other athletes and, and supported by Martin Kerr and folks and trained by him. It was a serious, serious challenge. And you know what? Someone said to me as we crossed the line, I don't know what you're on, Mag, but I want some of it. You know, okay. I was... T- I, did you, I hope you told me you're on trout. I was on trout as well. Yeah, that, that's the reason, of course. Absolutely, you know. And then I decided to do, I said, I, I've never done an adventure race. So I did one about two months ago and I, I think there was about 143 women in the race and I was second woman home. I thought, maybe I'm good at this. And then I did one about a month later after that and I actually won it. So as you can see from my boasting here, I'm very, very driven. Uh, 
and and I'm very competitive. No, but it's competition against myself. I don't care about anyone around me. I compete against myself, my PB, trying to improve my PB. Now, I've just had a very bad chest infection and something like that brings home the fact that actually, Margaret, you know, you're not like anybody else. You have to be really careful. And that's the first time in the two years I've had, you know, I was only out for six. I mean, I'm okay now. Now, I mean, I had antibiotics and I'm hoping to get back training in two or three days doing something, you know. But I mean, it does bring home the fact that, well, you know, Margaret, you do have cancer and it is ongoing and it's not curable, but it's treatable. So you have to be careful. But I forget all the time. It's not something that's in my head, you know. So it's a bit like business. I think if you believe you can do it and just think, and I've said it to you a few times, and Blaise Brosnan, a very good business mentor, a very good friend of our business, told me some the greatest piece of advice I ever got and I use it in my life and in work and in business and in every aspect of my life and I said it earlier don't stress the stuff you can't control and um, you know and, and that has stood well with me in terms of being able to get through you know the hard times in business the hard times from a, a person point of view you know and I think good comes out of everything and always look for the good, the goodness and everything. You know, we're, we're talking to new customers in our business. Um, I'm looking at maybe a new challenge now in terms of sport now. You know, as, as I said, the adventure race is something I tried this year. You know, so I think you can look at the negatives or the positives. And I'm naturally a positive person most of the time. I would say 99% of the time. You know, and that has been, uh, sport has been, oh my God, it's like the balls you get out. Even the training session. You know, we did a lovely charity cycle for the, our cancer. We cycled from Limerick to Spanish Point and back. And my husband did it with me and he's only starting to cycle now. And he just, we got to Spanish Point and I said, now we go for a swim in the sea. And he said, oh my God, that was amazing. I feel, I'm such, such a buzz. And I said to him, now you know how I feel every day, every morning I go out for my run before I start work or I go for my cycle or on the turbo. I said, now that's what the sport has brings to me every day. I start my day with some exercise and it really sets me up mentally and physically for today you know so I, I you know did you ask, ask me to love sport yes I do I love it and now I understand my kids more I understand my husband more I'm more involved in their t- and I, I go to their matches I understand what makes them tick now why they have to eat at a certain time a certain type of food I didn't really understand before I was too busy working you know and luckily I now have a much better balance you know yeah well that, that's really wonderful Thank, thanks Mark, for sharing that I know where you're coming from on the on the sport on the sport front and I, I always think it's uh, it's so hard to make yourself go make yourself go out and do it but it's so happy when you're finished oh, yeah. uh, and continue oh, before I go the analogy people talk about you know you go out for a few drinks and your first drink or two and it's amazing and and as the night goes on it gets worse and worse because you drink too much if people drink too much and they get tired the next day they're wrecked in sport you start off and you feel awful but as it goes on and you finish and the next day you feel fantastic it's the it's the reverse of a hangover really so it's like backwards drinking is it Matt? <laughs> yeah I don't need drink um, as a person I don't need drink but a lot of people think they do but that's what someone described it somebody who, who used to drink a lot who doesn't now who does a lot of exercise and they said it's the reverse of a hangover yeah, and that, yeah. if you want to understand what it's really like to be involved in sport at your own level you don't have to if you start walking it doesn't you don't have to be as fast as you or I Paula but, uh, <laughs> you know I am faster than you <laughs> it'd be very easy to be as fast as me now uh, Mag but uh, I, I keep going like like yourself uh, competing against myself <laughs> yeah it's the same benefit it makes no difference it's the comradeship it's the people it's the like-minded people you meet it's the buzz it gives you it's the you know it's 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 and, and, and then it, that 
that tends to translate to all parts of your life, I think, when you're involved. I'll tell you uh, another thing, though, Mag, uh, what I've found since in my sport journey uh, is that you learn a lot of lessons and I am always applying them or thinking about the business parallel. You yeah. know, like, like for example, um, uh, I had a great breakthrough in my swimming this year at the yeah. end of the season that getting the stroke right and actually taking slower strokes slower yeah. stronger slow uh, strokes uh makes me a lot faster than yeah. what i was doing before which is like a, a kind of a panic flurry yeah. of arms everywhere and I, I was thinking to myself when that happened oh my god this is what i do in my life you know mm. you kind of i have a task to do and you go blah, 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 mm. and uh, where you'd be much better off kind of doing it deliberately slowly strong and making better progress and make better decisions, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, listen, you're an inspiration, Mag, and thank you very much uh, for joining me. I really appreciate it. And the very best of luck to you and Goldsbridge Trout over the Thanks. next years. That's great. Thanks a million, Paula. Mag is so generous in sharing her story, her insights and her advice. She's fantastic. It's hard to pick only three, but here are my takeaways from this great chat with Mag Kerwin of Goatsbridge. Number one, listen to your customers and give them what they want. Number two, maintain integrity at all times. And number three, do interesting things that will recruit customers and influencers to your side. I'd also say that having the genuine passion and energy that Mag has about her product and brand is a huge help in breaking down barriers and creating champions for Eat Trout. Thank you so much to Mag and thank you for listening. I hope to welcome you again next time for more useful marketing stories.